Hi, welcome to The Church Split. My name is Will, and today we have a special guest with us. But before we get to that, don't forget to like and subscribe or download our audio podcast. It definitely helps us grow. We're definitely trying to grow. We wanted to try to get the word out of uh, being unapologetic, uh, unapologetic about truthful topics. And through truth, hopefully we can find some unity. So anyway, I have my buddy Robert with me today. Now, some of you guys might be wondering, wondering if you're watching this on video, why it's so dark. The man's driving around at night, okay? And he's got two kids at home. His house is loud. He's got to get away in some peace and quiet in order to be able to have a conversation, I think, right? Right, Robert? Is that the way it works? That's pretty much how it works. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, the guy outside the window is wearing a Biden mask. Oh, so that's... This, so that, this is going to go well then. <laughs> so for those who, of you who do not know, today we're going to talk about the Christian and politics a little bit. Now, if anyone knows Robert, uh, he is not shy about the Christian and politics in any way, shape, or form. And there is a lot of background here with Robert on who he is. He's not some guy who just comes in with uh, just opinions all day. He actually uh, knows a few things about the Christian worldview and everything else. So, Robert... How are you, man? I'm doing good. How are you? Fantastic. I got my, I had Jesus chicken before this interview. So I got my Chick-fil-A glass here. I'm not glass cup. Um, it's not product placement. They're not paying me for this, but it is delicious and you should have some. Um, but I like the group and they're good people. So go ahead and. Oh, perfect. Uh, so anyway, uh, Robert, uh, no one here probably knows you as well, unless they know you and I directly as friends. So can you tell them a little bit about yourself, about your background, how you became a Christian a little bit? Just kind of give a little bit of your personal testimony there. Sure. Uh, well, up until like the age of 12 or 13, I was in church and then I had some bad things happen in my family with divorce and my uncle dying and things like that. So I got pretty bitter with God and I spent um, the next 15, 20 years out of the church, I went to public school. I started in Christian school, but I got, I kept getting in a bunch of fights. Um, so I eventually went to public school. Um, so I spent most, some of my junior high school, but all of my high school years in public school. Um, I just spent a lot of time in the world. And at some point in my early thirties, I knew what I was doing was wrong. And, um, I had to make some life changes and that included, uh, quitting my job and moving from Orlando, Florida to Tennessee to go to Crown College to start uh, learning to how to be a teacher. So I felt that's what God sent me to do. Um, a lot, a lot of changes in my life in that moment, you know, that time. But, you know, that's where I also met you. And, you know, I met a lot of people at Crown, but there is nobody at Crown that I can't even remember their names anymore. But here I am sitting with Will, you know, so real friendships are worth saving you know, and keeping, you know what I mean? No matter how far away you might be. And I'm sorry for you again, because you got to deal with crazy Whitmer, but you know, I've always offered to <laughs> move you over here to Florida. So, that is true. But anyhow, anyhow, Whitmer has nothing to do with my testimony. Maybe yours, but not mine. <laughs> yeah. Lord um, save me. Yeah. So, you know, after I finally got my degree, I got my degree. And while I was going to college, I married a woman and we've had two kids. Obviously, even though it's dark, you can tell that I'm a white guy and my wife is a black woman. So my two kids are mixed kids. So, you know, we have a lot of similarities as far as the mixed family thing. Um, I got my degree, my secondary education degree in history. I, in that time, I teach history. I follow politics a lot. 
Um, I've been a basketball coach for like eight years. I've won one FCC championship. I went twice, won one of them. Um, yeah, and here I am. And I spent a lot with history, teaching history. You inadvertently deal with politics a lot because kids come with questions. And then we all know how crazy the political platform is right now. So obviously kids have more questions. Um, so it's a lot bigger in regards to history than people might think, you know. Right. So. And so that's what's fun about that, too, is the fact that, you know, coming from mixed families and everything, you know, my wife is Korean, your wife being black and your your wife's actually straight up from the Bahamas, isn't she? Well, she's from Guyana, but she moved to the Bahamas um, at an early age. I'm thinking like around nine or 11. And then she spent her time in the in the Bahamas. Um, and then when she graduated high school, she moved into she went to Trinity Baptist in Jacksonville. Um, where she got her degree in Trinity Baptist. Awesome. Yeah, that's it's so cool. Like I, that's what your guys is. It's kind of like me with Cali. It's like you you came from all the way from South Korea. Now you're here, and we somehow met in Tennessee, and we're together. Like just the the odds of that happening. Um, but yeah, so it's really interesting. And then also you being a history major means that you have studied history. Shocker. Um, now would you say, so, and you already mentioned this, like history plays a major part into politics, correct? Right. I mean, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And would you say, so when, as we're getting into this, also, you teach at a Christian school, you've been to Bible colleges, you're, you're pretty well versed in scripture. You're not an idiot when it comes to scripture. You're not a, a standard layman in that sense. So, you know, you know that God's word well. So there are certain principles that you see throughout history. And then there's obviously principles in God's word. Now, what do you do? Now, one of the biggest things, and I used to hold this view when uh, probably in my earlier 20s, mainly because I went to a church that pushed politics every Sunday. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm here for Jesus. I'm not here to be beaten down by my party or your party or any party. Um, and I, so I, held, I began to hold this view of Christian, you know, the, the church should just completely stay out of politics. Um, and that's because I, you could probably say it rubbed me the wrong way. Now, the problem is that now over time I have changed that view, which uh, if you're any new, if you're new to this podcast, we're, we encourage people to always be critical of their views. So with that being said, what do you tell the Christians who say that Christians really don't belong in politics because separation of church and state and all that good jazz? Well, first, I would say they're wrong. Um, you know, the Bible actually talks about politics several times. Um, trying to remember the verses that it was. If you look at Deuteronomy one thirteen, it tells us, take you wise men. I mean, how are you supposed to take wise men? I'm supposed to go out to the field, snatch them by their hair and drag them and say, run for office. You know, no, it says, take you wise men. So. In our political platform, you take your wise men by voting. You know, if you look at something like Proverbs 29.2, it pretty much tells you right there. It says you're either going to pick a good person and you're going to reap the spiritual benefits or you're going to pick an evil person and you're going to be miserable. And that verse, I mean, good Lord almighty, if you can't apply that verse to today's election, you have got some issues, you know, um, so those are the first two things that I come out with. Everything else can be speculative. It could be, a, you can have some opinionation in there. But those two things very clearly, the Bible states, you're supposed to pick the people in charge. 
we've already denied that we want Jesus to be our king because of what the Israelites did. You know, they pretty much said, I don't want God to be my king. I want a king like everybody else. And ever since then, we've had to choose our rulers. And so what did God say? Well, now that you're choosing your rulers, pick them and pick wise men. You know, so that's very clear in the Bible. The other thing that always struck me is that Jesus, when he says, I am the king of kings, or when he would say, you know, I am the son of God, a lot of people think he's just declaring his title, but people don't realize the fact that he was also challenging. That is a straight up challenging of the Roman government because the Roman emperor was considered God or a God. And when he said, I'm, I'm the God, of, I, I'm the son of God, I am the king of kings and lord of lords, he was usurping his authority over Rome, which tells me when people say, well, Jesus wasn't concerned about politics. I'm like, no, he made very strong political statements. You don't get crucified by both Romans and Jews for not making some sort of political statement. Would you agree? I would agree. I would even take that a step further in saying that I don't think that he was talking to just the Romans. And I think he's talking to, you know, whoever's reading the Bible at, at the time, whatever is, you know, applicable to you, because the Bible is never changing, but it's always current, you know, which is a miracle in itself. Imagine a book that's never changing, but always current. Can you name any other book that's like that? Nobody can, you know. Um, really good point. It's just say it's just, I don't understand how people can go against that. No, I think that's actually, <laughs> I'm going to steal that line from you now. I'm going to insert it into a sermon. <laughs> uh, I'll quote it. I'll, I'll, I'll give you cred. Um, but so, okay, when it comes to, so obviously the Christians should be at least engaged in politics to some degree or other. Now, the other problem is, is that right now in our current culture, people sit there and say, well, the, neither party is very Christian and that they, uh, that both parties, uh, uh, have parts of Christ in them or like Christian ideals in them. It's just picking which one you're going to go with, picking which poison. And with people who come up with such a neutral stance, what is your view on that? Um, they need to grow a backbone first off. Um, and if they think that that stance is biblically backed, then they need to talk to their preacher and get some Jesus, because that's definitely not the case. Um, the Bible, we already showed a couple of verses where the Bible says that we're supposed to pick our wise men. Um, the Bible says that we're going to decide whether we have good people or evil people leading us. The Bible tells us to render under Caesar what is Caesar's, you know, so how do we decide what Caesar's? Well, we have to pick Caesar. And once we decide who Caesar is, the Bible says, unless what he's telling us goes directly against the Bible, we have to follow their instruction because we chose them. And that's the simple truth of what the Bible talks about government. If you're talking about issues, um, <laughs> you know, there's so many ways you can go about it. But the, the one issue that sticks with me that nobody can. And you talk about you talk about how bold Jesus was with the Romans. I mean, you see me when I'm arguing with someone or let me I'm not arguing. I'm having a conversation <laughs> with somebody and, and they try to say, you know, they try to say some foolishness about like one thing that really annoys me is a Democrat that tells me they're a Christian. And the first thing that I say is how's your, what's your stance on abortion? You know, there's so many things that you can kind of get into the weeds with, but there is no way in the world you can get in the weeds with abortion and the Bible. 
the Bible. I mean, I can go in here. I got my Bible sitting right here in 20 seconds. I can find 10 verses where God talks about if you if you harm a hair on that kid's head, you know, if you think it was bad for you, wait till I get you, basically, you know, um, it, God, it's over and over. It's, it's There's no way to argue that. So when someone tells me, how should I vote with my moral stance? I don't have to get past the abortion issue. You know, I don't need to think any further. You know, that's where it starts for me. Now, then you can get into what do you think about taxes? What do you think of, oh, Trump is a bully, wow, whatever. You know, the, it's not a prerequisite to be nice. That's not a president's prerequisite, you know. Um, but when it comes to Christian politics, the very first thing you have to start with is their stance on abortion. When I stand before God, God's not going to look at me and say, why did you vote for that person causing all these kids to die? And then a, a Christian might say, well, how am I causing that? Well, our government has decided that they're going to take our taxes and apply it to abortions, specifically Planned Parenthood. And once you take my money to fund your genocide, that makes it my business. If you don't want it to be my business, then take my taxes away from Planned Parenthood. And then you and God can have that conversation when you go and see him, you know, and you can leave my morality out of it. But once you start using my taxes, that makes it my business. Right. And then the other thing that comes to mind when it comes to the abortion issue, you know, first off, my favorite one is the one in Exodus, which basically says, hey, if you harm the woman and she who's pregnant, she has the child, but she was still harmed, but the child is okay, the husband gets to charge you a substantial amount of money. But if the child dies, then you'll pay life for life. And it's like, how clearer can you be life for life like it the unborn child is a life now the one thing i get when i talk to people who try to uh say well you know well actually i'll just ask you this what do you say to people who go well you're pro-life you're not pro-life you're pro-birth because otherwise you'd care about the children at the border and everything else who have been locked up in cages or the people who are the kids who are in foster systems and things along that nature what is your response to that when it comes to abortion well, the first thing I say is, do you even know who built those cages? And then they usually say Trump. And then I say, you're wrong. That was Obama. Okay. And then I say, what law did Trump pass to give him the right to deport these illegal aliens? And then they're like, um, um, um. And I, and I just stopped them and I say, look, he didn't pass any laws, guys. All he's doing is enforcing the laws that are already in the system. So, again, what is he doing that's wrong? And then they'll say something. Well, what do you think about these kids, you know, being separated from their parents? And then I say, well, imagine for a moment you have these families and they're all in this giant pen that Obama has created, essentially. And you get these there's legitimate violent people in these groups that are coming across the the border not all of them but there are violent people and then you have nice people so what do you do when you have your little nine-year-old girl sleeping next to a whatever killer pedophile rapist etc etc you got one of those guys in the pen with her you know she goes to go to the bathroom and next thing you know he's got three minutes of alone time you know what happens if that guy just straight kills the mom you know and gets after the daughter there's so many bad things that can happen there's that you, you do not see people go to jail. A guy doesn't go to jail in America and they say, well, since there's no parent, the kids go into the jail with the parent. You know, 
that doesn't happen. How it doesn't even make sense. It's it's ridiculous. And then the other thing that comes to my mind when I when that comes up is you know first you know the great question of who built the cages and what law did he pass? That's good. Uh, the other thing I you know I think about too is like well we know that child trafficking is excruciatingly high uh, across the border. Um, it's high down south. And we know, I actually, in, uh, I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, and it's actually one of the higher cities for trafficking. And the thing is, is when you're bringing kids across the border and they're saying, that's my mom, or they're saying, that's my child, you have no way to confirm that. And you don't know if it's a good person, a bad person. So when people are saying that's not being pro-life, I'm like, no, it is being pro-life. It, it does it cause some serious emotion. Like, if that actually is their parent, does that cause some emotional like hurt? Absolutely. But what if you're saving them a lifetime of suffering at the same time? You don't know that. So it's the issue of pro-life, the issue of pro-life isn't even applicable to the border control issue. Somebody that's trying to argue border control and pro-life, they're they're reaching for a straw because they don't know what they're talking well, also about. Pro-life has nothing Well, also, yeah, because it's not like you're killing the child, right? Like, it'd be different if, well, as right. soon as that child crosses the, the, the border, I'm going to abort them. You know, it's um, and because it's because oddly enough, well, couldn't you say my country, my choice on that? Because uh, even though it's clearly a, its own autonomy within the country, it's the same argument, right? Like that. Yeah, it's it doesn't even make sense. I don't even know how to argue that. When people say that. That's when I start getting people mad because I'll kind of chuckle at them and I'm like, do you even research stuff before you argue about it? I mean, if you're going to have an opinion about something, you should make sure your opinion's right. But there's so many people in this world that are naive or just plain stupid. You know, they'll argue about something and they don't even know what they're talking about. You know, somebody said this or they watched this on Channel 9 or they saw this on, you know, CNN, my favorite people ever, CNN, you know, these... These people, Those are respected journalists, Robert. <laughs> yeah. Kamala Harris says it all the time. Uh, in between her in between her back in the Green New Deal and telling people, you know, one week they're banning fracking, next week next week they don't know what we're talking about. These people jump sides so many times they don't know what side of the boat they're on. I mean, that's true. So um, you know, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. So that's one of the biggest issues as well. So uh, just to continue on the pro-life conversation, um, to, and then we can move on to other issues within the political sphere for Christians. Uh, now, what do you also say? Because obviously the one party that's for abortion, or at least uh, they would say we're not for it. We just give people the choice, which is which is for it. Let's just be real. Um, if you're not against it, you're for it. That's all there is to it. But um, when they say, well, Republicans haven't really tried to overturn Roe v. Wade, so they are only pro-life in name only. What would you say about that? Well, <clears throat> overturning Roe versus Wade isn't a Republican thing. It's something that's got to be repealed through the Supreme Court justices. And the only way you're going to do that is having the majority on the Supreme Court justice. There's no other legal way to repeal Roe versus Wade. Um, if there, if someone wants to try and attack Trump personally on that, they can't because he just passed an executive order. I don't remember how long ago. I think it might have been a month or two. It might be even sooner. But, yeah, I don't really remember the timeline. But essentially what it did was it denied Planned Parenthood funds um, for different choices 
based on abortion, which included also international abortion, because I don't know how much people know about Planned Parenthood, but they make a whole bunch of money with abortion outside of America as well. As a matter of fact, and if people don't know, they should know, I don't say anything that I can't prove with evidence. And I'm telling you now that Planned Parenthood has even a price list for body parts for the aborted children. You can buy a liver from an unborn child or a leg or an arm or a brain or, you know, pick the pick the part, you know. So they don't care about people's women's health. They care about the money. That's what they care about. And they use the argument of women's health. You know what? If a woman needs birth control, a woman needs these health things. Fine. Fantastic. But the second you talk, start talking about abortion, that's not fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, right. So now, okay, we got, so the abortion issue, when you're first approaching politics and what to vote for, because as a Christian, we have to be involved in, because also the Bible tells us to stand up for the oppressed, stand up for those who can't help themselves and all these things. And there's no one in this country more oppressed than the unborn. People want to talk about uh, black lives being oppressed, which I think you and I can talk about. Uh, but in New York alone, more black babies are aborted than they are born so where you know where of course where is where were you on that but the so okay so you approach the abortion issue first because obviously we want to care for the most oppressed and those who are the most vulnerable so you first go by that then what is it the second issue you say you start voting for or looking into well up until this election my second issue was always taxes you know because the Bible also teaches us that, you know, essentially each drop of sweat has a price on it. You know, my, my labor is worth the cost. Um, and then Democrats like to talk about, you know, what's wrong with universal health care. Well, according to the Bible, if everything was in its proper place, the church would deal with the people that were unable to work or the, or the retired elderly or the handicapped or the et cetera, et cetera. The church would deal with that. But the church can't deal with that because the government's sucking the life out of us by taking all of our money. So how can I help support, you know, my mom that doesn't work or my grandfather is, you know, I think he's like almost 80 years old. You know, I got to rely on his health insurance because the government takes so much money from me from this. Oh, my goodness. I don't want to say the word Obamacare. I keep wanting to say Obama crap, but it's Obamacare. <laughs> uh. Yeah. And well, don't you care about millions of people to have insurance? That's isn't that the talking point with Obamacare? <laughs> yeah, it is. But no, I don't care because when I see a lot of people, I see a lot of people that don't care one way or the other about insurance and they don't care one way or the other about having a job. They're perfectly fine living off the government and the government knows that. That's why they want to give out this free money, because they're the vast. But there's a vast amount of people that don't want to work they want to just sit home chill hang out with their friends they'll make some money under the table doing whatever and then they'll live off the government money that's also the reason why the government wants this great big influx of of Im illegal immigrants is it not the influx of immigrants but automatically giving them health care and automatically giving them this money to do these different things why wouldn't you go to a country where you're going to get free money free health care and then who are they going to vote for? The people that's giving them all the free stuff. You know, when my wife came here, she she went to college. She started the application process. She did everything she was supposed to do. She paid all the money. 
You know, she didn't have to cause a ruckus. She did what God told her to do. It was God honoring. And now she's a citizen and she hadn't, she didn't need any of that other drama to deal with it. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Right. So for the first, uh, the next thing is obviously, like you said, taxes, because another th important thing that people need to ask is, can people make a living? And what a lot of people don't also realize when I talk about healthcare and stuff like that, is it's actually been the governmental involvement that has actually influxed a lot of the prices. So when people are talking about like, well, it costs us much money for insulin, it's like, yeah, but do you know why that's, in, that's there's so much inflation there? It's not just this greedy hospital. It's the fact that the hospital has, it's, has claws into it from the government. So when the more you th look at it and you follow the trail, the more you're really seeing the sickness isn't this, it's the governmental system that it's all attached to. So uh, yeah, taxes, I'd say is a big one because. Uh, I'll even take that a step further because we do pay an absorbent amount of money on things like prescription. And one of the reasons why is because our government never bothered to go after the what's called a preferred country clause um, with other countries. And what that essentially means is China, let's say, for example, because China is a major export of PPE and medications and stuff. So China might sell their, their prescriptions to Germany for like a dollar. And they're selling that same exact prescription to America for $10 because we don't bother going for the preferred country clause you know, because we're such a big state, which is also one of the reasons why some of these uh, programs like the um, the European deal for for clean air. I forget what the name of it is, but that that deal shows the American people paying almost 80 percent of that total bill every single year. Wow. What in the world? Why, why would I agree to that as a president? I never even knew that. That's so, I learned you know. something there. Um, now, also, when it comes to so obviously taxes being important, more money in your pocket means you can take care of your family, poor, and people like that. One of the things that people say too is that Christians don't care for the poor and all that, so the government has to, which I know is an absolute lie. Uh, I've seen far too many Christians take care of each other. Um, I can think of some people in our church. They got into some legal trouble, and not because they did anything wrong. Um, actually, it was just this whole situation that kind of blew out of control really quickly. And the, uh, the, uh, one of the deacons called me like right away. I was like, we need to raise money for so-and-so. We need to get them a good lawyer. They don't have enough money to cover it. We're going to well, I want the church to cover all of it. And like, they raised money like that in like, what, what was it? 48 hours they had the money. Um, and so it's like, it, it's just an absolute lie when people say it's stuff like that. But the other thing is, is so, okay, so you approach, you said out, up until the last election was always taxes. So what is it now that is your second issue? Because that, that struck me as curious uh, that you said that a second ago. Um, in this election, I put my police officers ahead of my taxes. If, uh, it's very easy to watch. I mean, Anybody that can look at the platform and look at our atmosphere right now and say anything other than, you know, the Democrats are against police, they just, their heads in the sand. You know, every single police union in America that has decided, not every one of them, but every one of them that has decided to endorse a president have all endorsed Donald Trump. I saw, I argued with a Democrat. I'm sorry, I didn't argue. I had a conversation with a Democrat. I'm trying to be trying to be polite because I know that some of my students are going to watch this. So I'm trying to be as cordial as possible. Um, one Democrat argued with me that, Hey, look, Biden's got support, got police officers supporting him. And there was an article and it was from Fox 
that there was 176 retired and current police officers supporting Biden. And I basically told the guys like, okay, so there's like 600 unions supporting Trump, but you're 176 individuals. What's the, what are you trying to prove here? And then he went on some kind of tangent about how Trump's corrupt because you police unions are corrupt and that shows Trump's corrupt. You know, that's when the conversation got less than pleasant because I had to, I had to eat, but, um, <laughs> for people who don't know, uh, that's, uh, an analogy there that, uh, Robert and I will talk about when you're having a conversation with somebody and, uh, it's a little too easy. So it's a free lunch. <laughs> and, uh, so you gotta eat. Um, I mean, you look, you look around and I'm not going to say that Antifa is the only people out there causing an issue. There are plenty of right wing people that are out there causing a ruckus. My governor almost got kidnapped far. by some today. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's yeah. I got mixed feelings about that. You know, she should never as a Republican, as a Republican and, and things like that as a Christian, I'm never going to get into a situation like that. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to condone anything like that happening, but I'll be lying if I told you I felt bad for her because, I mean, there's a lot of people that have to hate her because she's made some really, really bad choices. Um, and I can't even imagine. I mean, I know what I do now. I'm active in the political platform to a degree here in Orlando. I can't even imagine what I would do if I was stuck in my house for nine months with my wife and kids and I got to teach them and I got to teach all these other kids online. And then I got this lady that's like, well, you can go to Walmart. You can buy groceries. Just don't go to the to the lawn department. You know, it's, what? Are you COVID serious? COVID only travels in the lawn yeah. and paint departments, Robert. Where have you been? Do you deny science? <laughs> I, yeah, I guess I do. Like, no, I no, know. it's uh, that was but, the arbitrariness up here. And actually, to to that point, when you're talking about the political realm, and I was talking to people today, when you have cities that are burning down because of uncontrolled riots and people killing each other every weekend, and it's not being controlled by the people who empower, who actually do happen to be all democratic. It's, it's just the fact of the matter. They're not, bringing, they're not bringing order and justice the way they're supposed to, so their communities are burning. And when you do that, people start panicking. And then like in the, today with Whitmer, for example, it's you have violated multiple constitutional laws. You have it's shut down businesses. You have crushed a lot of people. And I felt bad for her because that's terrifying. I couldn't imagine that. But then at the same time like this is what happens though when people start getting desperate and scared is that they're going to respond poorly which is exactly what the what the riots a lot of the riots were too is people panicking and are scared because there's a narrative that's being pressed um, which is something i do right. plan to discuss with you but uh back to what we were talking about so you said the police the police come first right now and you know what will you say to people who say hey but the police they you know they deserve it there's just too much police brutality they get away with too much things along that nature well it depends on how argumentative i want to be if i'm in the mood to argue then i will ask them to give me an example which the first thing they're going to do is start talking about george floyd and they're going to start talking about i forget the guy but the guy that passed out drunk in the wendy's drive-thru in georgia you know they'll talk about situations like that in which case you know i'll just say it right now i don't believe those were racist things they were evil things I don't. I didn't see an action based on racism. I saw an action based on evil, um, and I'm more than willing to talk about that if you want. But um, that's that's if I want to be argumentative. If I don't want to be argumentative, um, 
I just try to point out obvious things. Um, I'm sorry. I had a brain fart. What was the question again? Uh, My mind just went on a rabbit. <laughs> but you killed it. Um, no, it was essentially what do you say to people when they say that, but you, you support the police, but the police get away with too much, they cover up too much, they're brutal, they got all these problems. Oh. Yeah, if I'm trying to be polite, you know, we've seen, what, a half a dozen, ten instances in the last six months of what they call police brutality. And we have hundreds of thousands of police officers out there. So by percentage, we're talking about such a microscopic fraction of what I would call bad apples. Um, and, and yet our police officers are getting hit with frozen water bottles. They're getting industrial grade fireworks shot at them. They're getting people that the guy that the, the, the two cops in Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago were just sitting in their car doing paperwork, whatever they were doing. And the guy just walks up and shoots them both multiple times through the window. You know, what did these people do to them? You know, they're, they're people just like we are. So they're still going about their job. And then, and then what a bunch of tool bags. I mean, I can show you videos where these rioters go to attack people and then the people fight back. And then next thing you know, the rioters are running going, call the police, call the police. Aren't you the one that want to get rid of them? Are you stupid? You know, or what's wrong with you? You know, um, I remember watching a video. I think this was over there in the Portland riots. This, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing at it. This old man driving his pickup truck is driving and this mob starts going towards the pickup truck. And this old man gets out of the truck with a crowbar and starts swinging it around. And you can see, you can hear the Black Lives Matter people, which was who the people were at the moment. They're yelling out, call the police, call the police. And the guy with the cameras in the back of the truck yelling out the license plate number. I got the plate. I got the plate. He can't run. That guy ain't running. He's trying to hit you, man. You're stupid. And he's got a good reason to. Yeah. You're going to call the police. I got the license plate number. Oh, so you got the license plate number of the guy you're trying to assault. Huh. Now, <laughs> now, the next question I have, because this will inevitably be asked or mentioned in the comments, so I'm just going to get ahead of the curve. Now, how can you as a Christian say it's okay for a guy to get out of his vehicle and swing a crowbar? Are you, are, are you, you're, there, you're not really pro-life, are you? That's, that's the accusation. So what would you say? My first reaction would be is you're lucky it was him and not me because I'd have just shot from the window. I don't get out. I'm too old to be fighting. So, um, that's, that's that. Um, the next thing I would say is here in America, we all have a right to our freedom and we all have the right to be safe in our cities. And when you have a mob coming at you, wanting to cause physical harm to you, you have a choice. And when that mob surrounds your vehicle, including the front, your two choices are three choices are one, you sit there and let them do what they want Two, you get out and fight three, you run the person over in front of you. So getting out of the truck and fighting is saying, Hey, I'm giving you a chance to survive. I didn't just run you over you retard, you know, but if you want to stay close, I got a crowbar for you. You know, I mean, pro-life. I think the guy saved someone's life because he didn't run somebody over. He just barked and said, okay, let's do this, man. I mean, that, and also I believe that it is a Christian value to be able to defend yourself. You know, um, yeah, it's, it's, 
my, if somebody broke into my house, you have every right to defend yourself, at, even as a Christian. You know, there's, because you're, we're to, again, to protect people and all this stuff that if you look at, and if people say that God's entirely always against violence, no, God's against uh, cold-blooded murder and cold-blooded violence. When you look at the Old Testament, you can tell that there's a God who has commanded warfare for righteous reasons. Uh, and it's okay if you have to, if you have to declare war in your home because somebody broke in or somebody's attacking your vehicle with you inside and you have to consider the fact of, okay, do I just lay myself down as the sacrificial lamb as they beat me to death and hopefully they don't kill me and when I have a family at home to provide for, or do I defend myself? You know, these are the, these are the ultimate questions. So, um, <laughs> nice catch. But uh, the... Yeah, yeah, you're dropping me. I almost fell over. I don't want to hit my head. Um, <laughs> it won't hurt. I'm soft. Oh, that's nice. Um, so, okay. So, police, taxes. Um, so, I'm guessing you're right now you're – so, life, pro-life, pro-police. Because, again, if you don't have order, you're only going to have chaos, and the police are supposed to bring in order. Do they screw up from time to time? Absolutely. But even in all those cases that people want to talk about that happened this year, they're removing context from them and only labeling them as racist in intent, which really is essentially just looking at, that's a white officer, that's a black dude, it must be racist, which if you're only looking at it skin deep, would be kind of racist. <laughs> um, but what, as someone who's married to a black woman, what are your thoughts about people being so flippant about racism? Well, I mean, first I have to say that my wife and I have had this conversation and I would be lying if I told you that there were, that there are black people that feel that, um, that let me make sure I say my words right here. So there are black people that feel that they do have to have a certain type of fear when they like walk down the street by themselves or when their kids are at the bus stop, you know, situations like this, um, but I believe that that's something that they were taught from an early age from parents or grandparents that might have actually experienced real racism. Um, as a history teacher, it, it's disgusting to watch what they classify as racism in 2020. I mean, I could sit here for an hour and tell you so many other circumstances of real racism. You know, um, <clears throat> You can go back to obviously slavery. You can go back to the Holocaust. You can go back to like slavery didn't even start by white people. It didn't. The Africans were fighting each other. They captured the other tribes and then they sold them into slavery. That's how black slavery started. Slavery in America didn't even start with black people. It started with the Irish and it started with the Chinese. It was the Irish because they were, they weren't worth anything. And so they were essentially working in the quarries until their back broke or whatever, and then they just killed them and got another one. The Chinese people were good at building our railroads. You know, it wasn't until the African people started taking their people, selling them to America, and they said, hey, they got strong backs, you know, so let's incorporate them. But they were the valuable slaves. And again, I'm not condoning slavery at any means, you know, but they said that essentially black people were the expensive slaves, so we're not going to put them in the quarry, and we're not going to put them building the train tracks we're going to put them in the field so that way we can use them every year to harvest our crops which is our profit margin you know so the idea of slavery being started by white people they, again, they just don't have their historical. And actually, problems. it's funny you say that because uh, do no, you never got to meet him. Um, I had him on the show, but my other really good friend is Andrew Fittis. He's been on the program here, uh, and he is from Ireland, 
like he is Irish. His, his father is from Northern Ireland as well. Andrew is raised in Northern Ireland. So when people talk about, well, slavery only impacted black people, they rarely make it only about Africans. Uh, Andrew is over there going like, and what about my ancestors? Like nobody cares about them. Um, and it, when you really think about it, it becomes insulting. And you know, my wife being Korean, who is also, she's not Chinese, but Asian, it's also insulting to, to just completely swipe these, these people's oppression under the rug so that way you can magnify your ancestors. And also, um, at what point do you think, how do, I want to word this carefully. At what point do you think someone has to start taking responsibility for themselves instead of their ancestry? <clears throat> what point do I, th well, I think people always need to take responsibility for themselves. And I don't think that people should forget their ancestry. They should know where their family comes from. They should know their history and they should know what their people had to endure or whatever the case may be. But you also have to have a little common sense and you have to know what real racism is. And real racism isn't every time you have a confrontation with someone from a different color, it's automatically because you're color. There, there's evil in this world. The devil is currently running our world. Jesus isn't running it. He hasn't come back yet. This is an evil world. We are born sinners and evil. We have to be taught to be good. So everything isn't about racism. Most things are just about plain evil, plain and simple evil. But if it fits someone's narrative to yell racism, then that's what they do in this world. And it's, it's pretty disgusting to use the term racism in such a nonchalant manner. Yeah, everything's racism. Why? Why can't I just hate you? You know, <laughs> it doesn't have to be racism. It's just evil, you know? How else do you, what else can you say? You right. Know? And no, that's, that's always what I say too. I'm like, if you're only looking skin deep at the situation, literally like this color, that color, you're the racist. You know, you're not seeing the rest of the situation going on that's unfolding as to why or what may have led up to that situation. So anyway, that was a rabbit trail I wanted to focus on for a second there because I, my favorite is, I, I'm sure you've been called it. Actually, how many, uh, let me ask, have you been called racist before because of your views? Oh yeah. And all the time. Are people ignorant but, enough to not realize that your wife is is a person of color? Well, every, anybody that knows me doesn't call me a racist. And it's not just because my wife is black. It's because they know me. You know, is I'm obviously I'm not racist. But when people first meet me, they, they sometimes <laughs> think that I'm racist just because of the way I look. Because I'm a big white dude with short hair and I got blue eyes. And so a goatee. I must be from the KKK. Right, and a goatee. So, you know, I must have a, you know, a red sheet or a white sheet in the closet somewhere. You know, but it's not true at all. And, I mean, I've had, like, I had a basketball kid that played for me for four or five years. And his mom, the first year that his son played for me, she thought I was racist because I didn't give him any playing time. And I said, hey, I'm not racist. Your son just doesn't know how to play yet. And you got to let me teach him. You know, so, yeah, I don't really worry about it. Uh, to be honest with you, it doesn't really happen as much as it used to. It happened quite a bit when we were first married. But more often than not, like when I would get ugly looks from people in stores or whatever, it's usually the black people that were looking at either me or my wife. And I think the general idea was, how could you, how could you go to a white man? you know, or something, or something like that, or look, that white guy is stealing all the good women, you know, I have, somebody actually made that comment once, oh, wow. so, but, 
And I was like, yeah, you're right. She's good. She's mine. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, not sorry. Like throws gang signs. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, my but yeah, my wife. Uh, I've been called that a few times, and uh, like whenever someone's like, "You're racist," because I'm like, "Well, statistically speaking, like you said, uh, you know, you're taking a small handful of cases to make a case that your entire country's racist." I always just find it funny because I'm like, yeah. "There was, there was a situation." I'll tell you this story real quick. There was a situation before I was a school teacher. I used to work in the retail automotive industry and there was a lady that came into my store once and she came in and we're talking about a big heavy set black woman and she came in and she was mad about something. I forget what it was, but I mean, right off the bat, I was a racist because I wasn't giving her exactly what I wanted. And I was kind of smiling at her and just kind of staring at her, let her vent, let her vent, let her vent. And finally she breathed. And I was like, ma'am, can I show you a picture of my wife? And I showed her a picture of my wife and my wife is blacker than she is. And I'm telling you, this is not a lie. She turned around and like three seconds later, she turned back around and her brassiere was like two buttons lower. And suddenly she was hitting on me. You know, that's how superficial some of these racist comments are. You know, she was only saying it because she wanted to get what she wanted. And that's also verifiable because of, I know as I still work with, you know, that is how super some of this stuff is you know <laughs> I, I was trying to let you talk and not cackle but that was wow and my my boss because i was you know i was a supervisor and my boss was in his office and he thought it was so out of control he came out of his office just to listen to what i was going to say because he thought i was going to get mad because you know she was she was tearing me up for a few minutes about being racist and yeah, I'll just say so, you're the world's worst racist. I will say that. Um, yeah, you're, if you're racist, you're really bad at it. But uh, so anyway, okay. So back to politics and less about social commentary. All right. So when it comes to the Christian and politics, all right. So you need to ask pro-life. You need to talk about who's who keeps order and how we do that. And of course, obviously, if there's a problem there, we should address it because we don't want to. You know, we, we don't want to overlook injustices, but at the same time, we got to make sure not to blow them out of blow certain things out of proportion. I definitely, I definitely think that there. I definitely agree that there should be more training. There should be more um, de-escalation tactics taught. I definitely think that there's room for improvement and there's things that need to be done. But you lose me at defund, and you lose me at, you know, like one of the ideas that the crazy Dems want to do is they want to instead of sending a police officer, send a psychologist. Well. What in the world is a psychologist going to do when they knock on a door and some crazy person comes running out the door with a knife? I mean, please don't hit me. I'm just your friend. No, it doesn't Let's work like that. Let's talk about this. You know? <laughs> exactly. We can, can't we all just get along? No, we can't get along. I have a freaking knife in my hand, fool. You know, but why can't they send the psychologist with the police officer? Instead of defunding the police, put a psychologist on the trip with them if they're dealing with like a domestic violence issue or if they're dealing with someone that's five cans short of a six pack, you know, they haven't take their Tourette's medication or whatever the case may be, you know, just send a psychologist with the police officer so that the way they're safe. What's wrong with that? But no, they want to take the money away from the police. That's not acceptable. Right. And I agree uh, that I can't imagine we've had multiple shootings uh, this last couple of weeks in this area. And I just think about I'm like, man, and if you got rid of the police, our, our, our area would really fall into chaos. So, all right. What are, what's the next issue? So what are these, what are the next issues you talk about? I never get past those issues we talked about. I mean, we can sit here and 
come up with other things, you know, like um, foreign policy is really big for me. Um, you know, how do the how do the other countries interact with us? How do we feel about them? You know, foreign policy is probably really big. Yeah, I'd, I'd put that as my number four right now. So abortion, then um, our police officers, and then our taxes, and then our foreign policy, probably the four that I really focus on. All right. And then as a Christian, how would you respond to the idea when we're talking about foreign policy, that really is dealing with how to deal with other countries. But obviously, as uh, you know, people like President Trump or whatever will say, put America first. Uh, when people say, you know, some people accuse it, if you're saying put America first, it's nationalism or idolatry of, of America and not focusing on worship on God. Or they'll say something to the effect of, you don't care about other people in other countries because you only care about America. What is your responses to that? We don't have an opportunity to elect German government. We don't have an opportunity to elect Italian government, Chinese government, Spanish government, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We have the ability to elect our government officials. And the Bible says that we're supposed to elect our leaders. Um, there's nothing sinful. There's nothing anti-Christian about patriotism. Um, we've got people that have gone and fought wars and died for us to have the freedoms that we have. There's nothing wrong with our leaders taking America first. Um, now if we're talking about America going in attacking someone, like for example, uh, when Bush attacked Iraq, I wasn't a huge fan of that because there wasn't really proof. You know, I'm a proof guy. I want to see evidence. There wasn't really evidence of that, you know, whereas, when Trump blew up the airport because the Syrians were using chemical gas to experiment on their own population. So Donald Trump blew up the airport. I'm definitely all for that because there are people dying and that makes it our business. Right. So, um, there's nothing wrong with patriotism as long as it's not turning into some kind of, a you know, Adolf Hitler, like, we're going to go rule the world kind of foolishness. <laughs> yeah, as long as it doesn't turn so nationalistic where you, everyone loses their stinking minds over it. And that's why I said to him, like, well, at some point... So, let, me, oh, let, me say, let me say one other thing. The Bible also talks about when the Antichrist comes, he's going to unify the world underneath one charismatic person, essentially, right? So if the Bible talks about that, wouldn't that kind of be like a United Nations scenario or... You know, there's no longer in America, there's no longer in Germany. It's all one united front. So why would I want to push in that direction? I mean, I know it's coming. God says it's coming, but I don't I don't need to speed it up. <laughs> Let it take. Yeah, no. And that's actually, you know, uh, that's actually a fair point, too. And that's I've always wondered that, too. I'm like, well, sh shouldn't we be against like that idea of this? one world government and stuff in general. And that's actually kind of, the kind of brings us to that point where a, question, a Christian does have to ask themselves what what they're voting for, what are they valuing? And you know, it's okay to put Americans first because your brothers and sisters here, the people you can help are Americans. Now just putting, because you're putting American America first doesn't mean you're necessarily stomping on other countries or other people. It just means the fact that we're gonna take care of our people and that the other countries should take care of their people as well. And then that's when Proper trade can take place, and that's when everyone starts winning, but um, and everyone starts getting taken care of. Now, the, so when it comes to that, so we talked about just a few issues there. Now, you have not been shy. Am I allowed to talk about who you support? I don't think you've been overly shy. As far as what? Yeah. The president? 
Is it, is it obvious? Yeah, you can okay, say Okay, right. I just want to share how that was with you in the school. So you obviously are a supporter of Donald Trump currently. And is there – now, a lot of people say you can't, as a Christian, support someone like Donald Trump. He is – you know, he's bombastic. He says horrible things. He says, grab him by the word that I won't say on this program, things along that nature. Um, what is your response to that as, as a Christian man? Well – First, I would say that Donald Trump does get nasty and he does do things that I don't like. And I can look at the debate that he just had and um, I don't even know how he can call that a debate. It was like two little children fighting. You know, I don't know which one looked worse, Trump or Biden. Actually, I know which one looked worse. Biden looked worse, but that's only because in the middle of his crying, he was spilling out lies. I mean, he couldn't even, his numbers were going from like 20 million to 200,000. And I mean, that happened multiple times. He just can't, can't get out of his own way. So, um, but having said that, there's, when you, the whole electoral process is first you have a primary and then you have an election, right? You have the primary to decide who's running for your particular group. And in my case, it's Republican. So I will also say that I did not vote for Donald Trump in the primaries. I voted for Marco Rubio. Um, and it was I was torn between Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio, but I voted for Marco Rubio. So if you want to say, you know, he's vulgar, which he's not really vulgar, he's just not nice. I mean, if someone tries to bite him, he's not out there cursing at him and calling him a bunch of curse words. He's just picking on them and being brash, right? but he's not actually being completely, completely ridiculous like you see many Democrats do. Um, but if you if you got someone that's morally, your, your moral compass is more in line with, then you should vote for them in the primary. But that's what the primary is for. Let's figure out which one fits our moral compass, so to speak, and then let them run against the other side. Once you decide who your person is, then you have to make the choice between the two candidates. Um, and this is actually an argument, not an argument, a, a, not even a debate, more like a conversation. Yeah. There's a really good friend of mine at church. He would just will not vote for Trump because um, he thinks somehow he says that the, the whole military is against him. And he's an army guy, which I don't know how he says that because most of the military come out and openly says that they're supporting Trump. But anyhow, that's another rabbit trail. But he says, you know, he refuses to vote for Biden because of the abortion. He refuses to vote for Trump because Trump is like, anti-government somehow so he's just going to write somebody in you know i'm not going to get mad at somebody if they're just going to write somebody in i personally don't think it's the right thing to do but i'm not, i can't get mad at them because they're still voting their conscience but for me i need to vote for someone that's going to have the i need to make i need the person that's got my moral compass i need to give him the greatest chance of winning if that makes any sense and even though my, my moral compass was more in tune with marco rubio that time is over. Now it's Trump versus Hillary or Trump versus Biden. And when you look at that, there's no way you can vote for a Democrat because, again, the buck stops at abortion for me. Um, you, you know, so do I get mad at someone for doing that? No, but I don't think it's right. I think that you need to kind of grow a spine and say, OK, let's vote for someone that's actually going to take us in the right direction.
Right. So. And I actually, uh, I've triggered a few people at work about it because I also ask them some of the facts on some of these issues. And, you know, they're like, well, why are you leaning the way you are? I'm like, well, because as a Christian man, I have a real hard time justifying voting for anyone who's okay with murdering children in the womb. I have a hard time, uh, you know, going, believing in a, voting for a party that would be okay with, uh, for example, government health care is saying you don't have a right to your labor. The government has a right to demand that you do this job, right, as a doctor. Like, if you're a doctor, the doctor is telling you, you ha the government is telling you you have to do this and work for free or by the government or however it goes. So it's like you, have, you, don't, you no longer have a right to your labor. You no longer have a right to your property because they're seizing everything or the government's taking over. It's like, well, when you look at all these things, or like, you know, the Green New Deal, or they're saying it's not the Green New Deal, but then the description is, the Green New Deal, essentially, and uh, you know, and it's uh, you know, you're just thinking, okay, well, then at that point, we're going to raise taxes, and who's that going to hurt? Well, it's going to hurt the average person. Now, if you're a upper class American, as much as it might be inconvenience you, you'll still be able to pay for thing, pay for things. But what about the 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 upper middle class or just the standard middle class family? That's going to crush them. Um, a lot of things along that nature. So, uh, what would you say if you had to if you had to hold the two up? What would you say outside of abortion is the strongest argument why a Christian cannot vote Democrat? Because you've been pretty clear that you are definitely do not believe a Christian can vote Democrat and at least be consistent with their Christian beliefs, right? I won't go as far as saying that someone's not saved or someone doesn't believe in God or doesn't have a relationship with God, but I will say you are not at least being consistent with your beliefs. So what would you say were some of the big things that a Christian needs to think about when they're jumping into these parties? Well, first, before I answer that, I would actually like to say that I do believe that a Christian cannot vote for abortion and say that they're living in God's will. I will oh, say I that. With that. And the reason why, and the reason why I say that is because again, Jesus was so offended by harming children. Now, am I saying that they can't get right? You know, if I were to vote for Biden, and then three months later, some something happens in my life where I miraculously, like, wow, why did I do that? You know, I can ask for forgiveness and I'm dealt with, right? But to me, you cannot be living in God's will and have a moral stance that pro-choice is okay in any situation. Because the Bible, I don't know if there's any more clear of a topic in the Bible than harming children, right? Um, the, next, the next thing to me that the Bible talks a lot about is your participation in picking your leader. Um, that there, that's probably the second most clear thing for me in the Bible. Um, and that's based purely on scripture. And that pretty much tells me what is important to me. You know, foreign policy doesn't have to be a sinful thing. I mean, it can be, but foreign policy, taxes, uh, crime, all this stuff, we can get into weeds all day long, right? You can moral the absolute, you can argue the absolutes between the two, but I think you have to take and look at the atmosphere that both sides produce. Um, are the are the bills that they want to pass? Are they going to send us in the in the proper direction, going towards God's will, or going away from it? Um, and if we want to talk about the election in today's narrative, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe Ronald Reagan's term. I'm thinking of one other president, but I can't remember which one I was thinking of. But I mean, there's very few presidents. Abraham Lincoln was another one that was highly contested. Um, you know, but there's a few presidents that were highly contested, but there, I don't know that there's been a more volatile platform or more clear platform than what we have now. I mean, it's very clear 
that you have pro-choice, pro-life, you have order, or you have chaos, you have um, foreign policy, you have the Iran nuclear deal, right? Compliments of Obama. And then you have Trump saying, no, I'm tired of giving you all of our money. You know, we're just going to lock it to you until you decide to change your course. You know, if you have, I mean, there's so many ways you just have to take it all and kind of say, which direction are we going to go with our, with our, with our country? And I don't see a better way to respond to a Democrat is like, what can you tell me that, that Joe Biden's going to do that brings me closer to God? And I don't know that they have a response to that. That's worth listening to. That's a good question. You know, and which one is which one? If all their things went through, would be closer to God's will. And when you have Correct. one party, and I mean, that's the thing right now. As I said before, like the JFK Democrat days, like back when the Democrats were, you know actually has had, uh, I would say, principles and things along that nature, more and more is gone. It's just gone. It's, a, it's actually evolved. It's devolved, I should say, into something entirely different now. And now we're pushing Marxism, which is an atheistic communist view of a lot of things. And uh, it also teaches that there is no personal property. And the Bible says, thou shalt not steal. It is indicative of we all have personal property. And there's so many things that it's like, Guys, when you understand the ideologies underneath these two things, you might not like here. It's kind of like this. You are, if you're at a buffet, but it's not a good buffet, you look over and clearly that stuff's been out for a couple days and shouldn't be out. It's kind of gross. It's moldy. It's absolutely disgusting. And then you look at the salad bar and you're a carnivore kind of person. You don't really like salad, but you know, you don't like rotten meat. Well, even if I don't really like this over here, it's got to be better than the rotten meat. And, uh, you know, if you want to say, well, it's, you're picking poison out of the way, it's, it's poisonous no matter which one you take. It's like, yeah, but one poison could be more lethal than another. One might be something that you have to plug your nose and just handle for a minute. The other one might be one that actually causes lethal damage. Does that make sense? Am I, am I making sense? Makes perfect sense. I mean, and the argument that you can give to a Democrat is, you know, if you say, what they're going to say is, if you ask them the question, how is how is a democratic democratic platform pulling me closer to God? And one of the first things they're probably going to try to say, because it's the only thing they can really try to say, is, you know, well, we want to take care of everybody. We want health care for everybody. We want retirement for everybody. You know, we have this, that, and the other. And then my, my response is immediately, so... When the Bible talks about the church taking care of the retired and church like taking care of the handicapped and the church taking care of the people that need to be taken care of by the church and the families, how does that apply to the government taking my money and then dispersing it how they see fit? And then they usually smile, and then that's when they get mad. Yeah, no, that's actually uh, that's usually the thing. And I, I've noticed in general, we were actually watching the debate the other night. We were calling it like emotional manipulation, emotional manipulation every time it happened. Because whatever they're looking at the camera and they're appealing to your emotions, it's no longer about the policies. And you'll notice that that dodge happens all the time on that platform. And it really, and I've noticed a lot of very empathetic people fall over that, fall into it. Um, very, they, you know, because they actually do have bleeding hearts. So they get so easily deceived into, oh, yeah, I do want to care for other people. I'm like, yeah, but what if their way actually hurts people more than it helps them? You know, what if, like, instead of having uh, free health care for all, what if instead you did create an open market system? 
and allow the, and pulled the government out of it. Well, then you'd have Amazon on demand, but medical, right? <laughs> I'd be able to order a nurse like to go check my blood pressure at my door, you know. But instead, we have so uh, the, the regulate regulation stuff. I'm not going to get too much into it. Brian could probably talk much more to universal health care since his son was born at 25 weeks, and if he was born in the UK, his son who is now nine, ten, nine. Oh, my goodness. I, I was like, wait, no, it's coming up. No, no, it's not yet. Uh, his nine-year-old son, would, they wouldn't have uh, nursed, him to, nursed him to health. They, he would have not followed the criteria. He would have been too expensive for the government to pay for. So they would so just let him die. And that's what people don't understand. Once you're giving the government health care, you're also giving them control over your own life, and you don't have the liberty to choose anymore. Um, so it's like you could be hurting people, and you would be hurting people more that way. So anyway, uh, don't want to go get too many rabbit trails, but real quick before we close, is there anything else you'd like to say? Like how, why a Christian, why is it possible that a Christian can support Trump or anything like that? I think that, I think that for a long, long time, the stereotypical Christian was, uh, stay calm, be quiet, be passive. God will work things out. We need to pray. We need to pray. Don't, don't do this. Don't do that. Um, and that's just not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says there's a time, there's a time to be cordial. There's a time to be polite. We're supposed to protect our testimony, but there's also a time to fight. Um, and it doesn't have to be a physical fight. It could be a spiritual fight. It could be an emotional fight. It could be a political fight. Um, and sometimes you just have to stand up for what's right. Otherwise, you're just going to get ran over. This world isn't, you know, one thing, one of the first things we learn as an adult, this isn't a nice world. This isn't a place that caters to you and says, oh, are you okay? What can I do to help? No, this world will eat your soul. It'll eat everything around you. It'll eat everything. And you either deal with it or you become lunch, you know? And so at some point you got to stand up. And I don't believe that Donald Trump would have beat Hillary as crooked as she was. I don't believe that he, that he would have beat Hillary if he wasn't as abrasive as he is. And I don't think that he would beat Joe Biden if he wasn't as abrasive as he is. Do I think he needs to tone it down? Of course. But at some point in time, if you're going to fight a dog, you need to put another dog in there that can, feed, that can fight it. You know, you don't, you can't just look at the dog and say, will you please shut up? No, you got to put a bigger dog in there. that'll slap it around. And that's what Donald Trump is. I wish I had the paper on me, but there was the, the owner of Home Depot had a job or had an interview. I forget when, when the interview was, but he did an interview. And what he essentially said was, um, you know, he, he, Donald Trump reminds him of General Patton. Um, General Patton has these great moral standards, but he was abrasive. And, you know, you either liked him or you hated him. You, there was no in between. Um, but in general's, when General Patton was there, he was there for a purpose. He believed that God put General Patton there at a, that particular moment to deal with the current evil that was in the world. Um, and the owner of Home Depot said, this is our General Patton. And I believe that this is our General Patton. I mean, if you look at the stuff, think about it. Donald Trump is a billionaire. There was no reason why he needed to be the president of the United States. He's not out there. He's not in an oil industry. He's in the real estate industry. You know, he's not in all these different things. He's in real estate. He's here to generally, genuinely help the American people. He's got no side jobs. The man hasn't even taken a presidential paycheck the whole four years, well, three and a half, almost four years that he's been the president. So what does he get out of it? He loves his country. 
and he's not a politician. He's not a career politician. If you're expecting him to be nice, he wasn't brought up like that. You know, he is our General Patton, and we need to get behind him, and we need to get rid of Joe Biden, and that's pretty much all there is to it. And yeah. I mean, tell me how you really feel. <laughs> uh, no, I, <laughs> as, as uh, anyone who's friends with Robert would know, you never have to wonder where he, what he thinks or where he stands. He's always honest with you. And that, one of the things, and that's one of the biggest things is, you know, I look for honesty a lot as well. Um, when I feel, when I see somebody flip-flopping constantly on their positions and their stances, it just makes me question. And I don't even know what you stand for. I don't know what your principles are. I'm very confused. And I'm, I'm that way right now. I've literally asked people before, why Biden? And they basically always say this orange man bad. You know, I don't like Trump. And I'm like, yeah, but what, 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 what policies? And no one really knows. And that's kind of the problem. It's, you know, you were the people who speak about transparency. They need to understand that there needs to be transparency there too. Um, so anyway, as a Christian, it is important to be involved in your culture. Uh, you know, and I think you brought up a good point. You know, it's not always about Christian. There's this weird American lie that Christians are always these fuzzy, warm, lovey-dovey people who will never tell you a mean thing. No, Christians are told to be the pillars of truth as well, which means I'm going to offend you with the truth maybe sometimes. And, you know, a friend of mine told me today that the church is so focused on trying to create an Acts 2 church in an Acts 17 world. In other words, Acts 2 is where the revival happens and everyone's, oh, yeah, I'd lay it on hands and the speaking in tongues. But Acts 17 is where Paul jumps into, uh, goes to Jerusalem and starts arguing for days, reasoning with people in the temple. And that is what Christians need to do, too. They, need, they forget the fact that we're also called to reason with one another. And my favorite part about my friendships with people like you, people like Brian or whatever, is I, I have friends that are Acts 17 Christians. They are going to reason with me, even if they disagree with me, even if they want to argue with me. And I love that because it means I have real friends. I have transparent friends. And I have Christian friends who are not afraid to offend me with the truth. And I think we need a little bit more of that in our culture. Would you agree? <laughs> yeah. And I don't even understand where this passive has started from. Because even from the beginning of America, Christians were passive. Paul Revere wasn't running down the street going, hey, guys, if it's not too much trouble, you think you can come out and fight? <laughs> you know, that's not what happened. The Redcoats are coming. Pour them you some know? tea. <laughs> yeah, the Redcoats are coming. Let's play. Turn on the lights. Bring out all the hors d'oeuvres and the wine because the fat Englishmen are coming. <laughs> you know, no. Yeah, no. And I, I think it's, it's because we've allowed our culture, and it goes back into the, pol the politics again, we've allowed our culture too much to define what Christianity is supposed to be and what love is. Uh, I, think, I think that people are so worried about offending someone else that they're not worried about dealing with the problems. And if you're so worried about offending people, if you live your life worrying about offending people, then that's that's not worth living. I mean, honestly, you're going to be miserable. You're always going to offend somebody. I mean, you don't have to be like me. You don't have to be aggressive. I love being me. I don't mind arguing, but you don't, you know, God gives us all our different personalities and he expects us to be aware of what the Bible says, to be aware and to be able to give a response when, when given a question God wants us to be able to communicate with people. There's people in this world that are receptive to people like me. There's people in this world that are receptive to people that are not like me. You know, it's up to God to put the people in my life. He wants me to meet whether it's good or bad. Some people just need to get, you know, smacked with truth and 
I guess I'm the man for that too. <laughs> hey, we all have our crosses to bear. So my my wife yeah. is a nice, gentle little snow flower. Just a little flower. She's the, li the lily. You know, she's just sweet, and she can get through to people. That's what made us so, such a fun team at the church. Was if if my, me punching you verbally in the face didn't get you there, then I know Callie could get through, and vice versa. So anyhow, Robert, I really appreciate you being on. This was a lot of fun. Um, thank you for putting that out there, and I think you bring up a lot, a lot of biblical points that people do need to consider you know we we, we need, do need to choose if we're going to choose our leader we need to choose wisely we ought to do so biblically we ought to ask the big questions and i think one the biggest one is uh are you good with people killing other people because if so uh that's the if not you know then that's clearly not the the party that advocates for such, not including everything else. So anyway, uh, Robert, really appreciate you being on. And anyone who's watching, thank you for, for watching or listening to this. And uh, don't forget to subscribe, like, or dislike the video. We might get disliked into oblivion on this one. But uh, anyway, thank you guys for watching. This has been The Church Split.